Well, welcome into A Voice in the Distance Ministries. I'm very excited this evening as I'm going to be going into a book that uh, I just love very much. And we're going to be looking at the uh, book of Ephesians. And I title this message, Welcome to Ephesus, because what I'm going to do uh, is something I don't think I've done quite yet. I'm going to kind of give an introduction uh, first and foremost. A lot of times I, I like to jump straight into the books. Um, and I, I kind of just go right in there head first, if you will. And but I really felt the need to kind of play uh, somewhat of a of a tour guide, if you will. And uh, why I, why I said welcome to Ephesus because I'm, we're going to be looking at attributes and things that were in Ephesus, but we're also going to I'm also going to explain what the book of Ephesians is about as a whole to, to an extent to give us an o- overview of what we're looking at. This is kind of like uh, if you've ever flown in a plane before and, and you're starting to you're you're hovering above the place that you're uh, that you're flying into and you're looking out the window and you're getting a view of the terrain and. And so this is kind of like what we're doing right here is I'm kind of giving a view of the terrain of Ephesus and the book of Ephesians. And a lot of times, too, if you've gone on a tour guide uh, and your tour guide will explain all sorts of things to you about the uh, the, the culture of the place and uh, certain things to look for, th- certain places to watch out for, you know, and, and so it's, it's good to have those guys. You know, a lot of people uh, go to certain places and they take chances, and uh, sometimes they might get lost or uh, whatever the case may be. So this is technically, I believe, my this will be my third time teaching the book of Ephesus. Now, I've taught it twice uh, from what I can remember. Uh, maybe maybe my fourth time. I cannot remember. It could have been my third or fourth time because I remember teaching it in the church setting. And I remember teaching it um, in, in group settings. So I can't remember if this is the third or fourth time. But this is a book that again comes very, uh, very with very rich spiritual, uh, applicable information that that, uh, that develops into transformation. And so for me, there are certain books in the, in the Bible that really catch people's attention. Okay, but really every book should. But but there's normally one that does it for some. I think of Martin Luther, who was the the founder of the Reformation in Germany in the 1500s. Now, apparently, he said that his book that he was uh, in that realm of was the Book of Galatians. He said that he was like married to the Book of Galatians, according to Martin Luther, his favorite book. Another, and these, and this was another one of Paul's letters to the Galatian area of, of the same region of Asia Minor and Turkey. But I myself, I've always been fascinated with Ephesians because there is such depth and diversity in this small book of six chapters. In fact, what, what is amazing is that there are people who are scholars just in the book of Ephesus. You have your prophecy scholars, you have your uh, Old Testament and New Testament scholars, uh, scholars in the poetic wisdom literature of the Bible. Yet there are scholars that are in just this small particular letter. And because there is such an in-depth outlook in this epistle, is what they call it, when you look at Paul's format and writing in the majority of his letters, they're pretty similar for the most part. But what he focuses on, what he focuses on, is its importance. Is, is it's two things. There's two things of importance. And if you haven't heard the book of Ephesians taught, there are six chapters. And the first half of the book is doctrinal theology. 
And the second half is practical everyday life application. Now, Paul always starts with doctrine first because some people want to focus on only the life application stuff. Uh, and that is like kind of like having a sandwich with one piece of bread only. Okay, now what this is about, it's about theology, not meology. And in the beginning of his letters, he typically introduces himself as I, Paul, an apostle of Christ by the will of God, a, a prisoner of Christ. Um, in other letters, uh, and, and Paul would state that I'm uh, Paul the apostle of bond slave of Christ in, in some of his other letters. But what Paul teaches that Paul teaches that the true redemption in Christ is becoming a slave to Christ and, and dedicating to his purpose and pattern in life. Simply because that is what he did. That, that, that is what he did. Paul came from a very Jewish background. He was a Pharisee who enforced Jewish law. Now, Paul is from Tarsus, which was located in Turkey, not far from Ephesus. Uh, this was the area where the church of Ephesus was founded. Actually, it became the most well-known church in the New Testament. And it was also considered a Roman capital province in Turkey as well. Now, now Paul being from Tarsus had some advantages because Tarsus was considered an area of education. Okay, uh, Brilliant people were trained there, doctors and lawyers. And, and then uh, another advantage he had over other Jewish peers was that he was a Roman citizen. And, you know, chances are that Paul's father was a citizen who earned his citizenship. Uh, per perhaps that he had, uh, uh, that he had, he had it nonetheless, okay, because I don't know what or how, but he, Paul was fluent in Greek, he was fluent in Hebrew, and, and that was only known by the scholars and rabbis, okay, only ancient, oh, the ancient uh, Hebrew was only known by the rabbis. The common people did not know that because Aramaic became the language that they spoke. Hebrew was no longer spoken after the exile. But Paul could speak it and read it. Perhaps Paul being a Roman citizen, um, I wouldn't be surprised if he was fluent in Latin as well. But I'm not sure. It never said. But it is a possibility him being a Roman citizen and growing up in a Roman colony like that. Paul spent much time in Roman prisons as well, chained to Roman guards. So you know that he had to have conversations with them. But this, like many other letters, was written from prison. Uh, Paul was arrested for preaching the gospel. And, and funny thing is, his, con his conversion was based on him arresting Christians. He, he was on his way to Damascus, which was located in Syria, to do just that when Christ presented himself to Paul on the road. Now, after that, Paul went from a zealous Judaizer to one of the most devout followers and apostles to Christ that one has ever seen. And Paul, Paul had made known that shortly after his meeting with Jesus, he was taught by Christ one-on-one -on -one in the Arabian desert for three years. Now, that is a neat blessing because when we look at the twelve disciples from years back, Jesus spent three years with them as a group. Paul got him one-on-one. -on -one. But what I also forgot to mention was that uh, Paul was originally Saul. That was his name first. When he first, before his conversion, his name was Saul. Uh, known as Saul of Tarsus. And, and Saul was from the tribe of Benjamin, which was the smallest tribe of the twelve tribes. Now, what I found interesting was that the very first king of Israel was King Saul. And he was from the tribe of Benjamin. But 
there was a lot of contrast. King Saul was the tallest, and he was the best-looking guy in Israel at the time. And, and the, the name Saul means demanded one. And King Saul was just that. He was, he was what the people wanted in a king. But Paul, you know, same name and same tribe was different because church history taught that he was short, he was hunchbacked, he had a hooked nose and a droopy eye. He, he was not the good-looking guy that King Saul was. And Paul, Paul himself even made reference in another epistle, I think it was in, um, in the Galatians, if I remember correctly, that he wrote thanking them, thanking them for receiving him and loving him regardless of his appearance. But within time, he changed his name. He said, I would no longer be known as Saul. I am now Paul. And again, Saul means demanded one, where Paul means little, small. He humbled himself. He said he was the least of the apostles. He, said, he himself said that he was the worst of the saints. And then later on, he called himself the chief of sinners. Now, I would imagine after those recognitions, God said, now I'm going to use you. <laughs> and one of the most important things to recognize in his writings was the humility that was shown and the love that was to the churches he planted. Paul spent, I believe, three years in Ephesus. When he started his missionary journey, it was a very emotional departure. He was getting ready to board a ship as they fell upon him, embracing him. And in tears, he said that, I will never see you again. And when you get, when you get that involved like he did, it's a hard thing to do to say goodbye. But they may have never seen him again, as he said, but they still got to hear from him. And, and praise be to God, because when they did hear from him, we got his letter. <laughs> this small letter was written due to a need. All the letters were written to address uh, uh, things, okay? Some were issues, others were exhorting and reminders with encouragement. But they were all in regards to a specific need with a specific message, and what amazes me is his passion and his joy as this letter was written from a prison. And there was a cases where Paul was under the uh, there was a case where he was under house arrest for 2 years, but typically he was in some of the most dingy, rat-infested, unkept prisons around in the Roman prison system. But he still made it a point to write the most important theological life-applying exhortings while chained to a guard. As he writes to, to free men and women, he is encouraging that the course be stayed. Now, as for the place of Ephesus, what's the deal with that? Well, it, it was a very important place, as it was a, actually a, it was a port city along the ocean in Turkey, where cargo was delivered, uh, import-export. And now what has been interesting in the findings of this uh, was, was the fact that these ancient cities along the coast in Turkey, or whether it be Greece, when Paul was writing to them, they had some very similar issues to them. And those issues were typically of debauchery, uh, sexual immorality, extreme paganism. It was one of many areas of polytheism, which is the worship of numerous man-made gods. They had temples built uh, there in worship of these. And, and one of the main forms of worship was the goddess called Artemis, or, or Diana. And it, it was who they believed was the daughter of the god Zeus. And she was a goddess of fertility. They actually had a giant statue of her that was worshipped. 
you know, there, there was also some amazing amphitheaters that are still there that people have visited. You can go there now, and, and, and these were actually big enough to, uh, to sit 25,000 people over here in Ephesus. But as for the location, it was typical that, that coastal cities had reputations in their own way. And when we look at places that college students go for spring break to party to do things that may not be ethically moral or good, it is typically done in coastal areas in parts of the United States or different parts of the world. And Ephesus was one of those places. I never understood what or why geographically, geographically, but it just seemed to be the way of life. Uh, I grew up in Southern California, and when you went to the beach cities, things were different in the culture and the way of life compared to the inner cities. You know, mountains and deserts have their things going on for them in different uh, in differences as well. But where there is darkness, God calls for light and sends the right people to certain places. As there was paganism there, uh, there was also philosophy, uh, the philosophy of great thinkers of the region uh, there as well. So, so it wasn't just Greece that had Western philosophy. Turkey and the city of Ephesus was famous, famous for it as well. So when you look at the business aspect, uh, the paganism, the debauchery, the philosophy, the, the Roman Empire, the, the Hellenistic Greek culture that came in after a while, what does that look like to most people? You know, I would have to say division and confusion, which, are, which those are the two things that God is not about. He is not about division. He's about multiplication. And confusion, absolutely not. There, there was his word. In what we have is the Bible. And certain people were sent to teach and preach it for the sake of everyone being on the same page with the Lord. It takes sending the right people, though. And thank God Paul was willing and available for the call. Because now, in later Jewish history after the Bible, it was taught that the Apostle John was there for many years. And and he died in Ephesus as he was in his 90s. So there was much to be done there. This place will be mentioned in the book of Revelation as well as the seven churches that will be spoken to, which all seven of those were actually located near Ephesus in Turkey. But it was, it was told that a serious issue was had with them in Ephesus. And that serious issue was them losing their first love. And that being their first love with Christ himself, one of the worst things that one can do. Now, looking at every book written by Paul and the other disciples were that of making Christ as their first love and keeping him as their first love. We, we See, we as people lose our sense of love, our, our sense of loyalty, our sense of care after a period of time. Our car gets a little old and, it, and its horsepower is just a little less, so we trade it in for a new model. And we seem to do that with relationships, you know, spouses, friends, churches, houses. We do that. But God forbid that we do that with our Lord and Savior. I mean, after all, we wouldn't want him doing that to us, yet yet we do it so easily to him as we do those items that I just spoke of. I don't know about everyone listening. But me, myself, I've always been a bigger fan of old classic cars. You know, I love seeing them on the road shining bright and, and roaring down the highway, displaying that its, that its strength is still there. Why? Because it was kept up on. And the reason being was because somebody was keeping up on it. It was cared for. 
it was kept in drive so that way it would not die off in a dark garage. So as I mentioned earlier, the Ephesus was half doctrinal, half practical in life application. Now comes to us. What is it that we're in for? Well, I'm going to give some insight of the terrain, but after this is when the digging will begin. We will be looking at redemption, spiritual wisdom, revealed mysteries. We'll be looking at the uh, the unity and how to walk in it, a uh, new life, walking in love and wisdom. And, and of course, there will also be marriage and family life uh, between children and parents. And, and one of the most well-known parts of Ephesians is that of spiritual armor, which is at the end of the book. And what we had here was papyrus, which was the style of paper that was used in writing. And back then it didn't come easy like paper. So Paul being in prison probably had a limited supply of papyrus. So when, you are given, when you're given a paper and a pen with a limited supply, you will want to make sure that whatever you are writing will be exactly what you will want to say of what is most important from the author. So if you were given one piece of paper and you were told to pour out your heart to a loved one, what would you write down? See, that is what we will see to the letter to the church of Ephesus. We will see, what we're going to see is, is a divine design of spiritual and life meeting together. Where spirit and life, everyday life meet together. And, and we must remember the order of vertical first, then horizontal second. Vertical in regards to God and Christ in heaven and the heavenly realms and then second coming down to earth, coming down to earth and to one another and, and how to live and dwell with one another by the instruction of Christ Jesus. I taught, I taught in an uh, Exodus, uh, the Ten Commandments not too long ago. The first five were vertical to God, the last five were horizontal with one another. And with that, in regards to Christ, what he did for us in dying for us was on an instrument that was horizontal and vertical called the cross. And this introduction to Ephesians and the background to Ephesus was simply a geographic location on, on earth that was used to bring others to an eternal geographic location called heaven. You know, we travel nowadays and we're required to show a passport. And what happens is the passport is observed by an officer. Now, and some questions may be asked. And then, and by their approval, they'll stamp your passport, allowing you entrance. Well, I want to offer a spiritual passport, free of charge, given by Christ himself. <laughs> it's a passport that will not be denied. And it's a passport that you will not have to worry about being lost or stolen. Because there is no such thing as identity theft in God's kingdom. You are loved, received, and will be taken in the kingdom in the greatest welcome home party that you have ever seen. And, and that's kind of what Ephesus is about. And, or should I say Ephesians. Ephesians is kind of that reminder. Uh, a little bit of, of bringing heaven down to earth. You know, reminding everyone what they're in for. And we all need that. We're, as long as we're living down here, we're, we're facing the trials, we're facing the, uh, the issues, the sickness, the death, the, heart, the hurt, and the, the darkness. You know, and so was Ephesus very much in these days over there in that region especially. And, and so we need light. We need salt and light in, in all places. 
and that's what Paul's doing. He's, he's, he's exhorting us. And, and when, when I look at the book of Ephesus, and I hope that as we go through it together, you're going to see that it does pertain to today still. So much, so much power in that book. So much great information in that book that will transform the hearts of people. And so I want to, I want to again welcome you to uh, follow along as we're starting this new book, this amazing book that really has changed the lives of so many people. And so as we want to see change, there's one way to have that change, and that is by allowing the Lord into our hearts and the Holy Spirit to change us. So, after hearing just a little bit of this intro in what we're in for, Maybe the Holy Spirit has spoken to you. Maybe he's, he's taken, a, uh, taken you to a place that you needed to be, just from hearing this little bit. And so if you feel led, I want you to, to open your heart to the Lord. Because it's the greatest thing that you could ever do. So I want to I go ahead and give you the opportunity to say a prayer right now, to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. Just as Paul did. Paul arrested people that were followers of Christ. Now Paul, through the past couple thousand years, has been bringing people to Christ. So I want to, I want to introduce you to him through that. I want to introduce you to the Lord who's been waiting for you. And maybe he's used this message, but I want to go ahead and, and open up the prayer now for you to receive him if you feel led. And you can repeat this prayer after me. Dear God, please forgive me, Lord. Forgive me of all of my sins, as I confess to you that I am a sinner. Please forgive me, Lord, and cleanse me of all of my sins. And I thank you for receiving me, Lord, on the, and I thank you for dying for me on the cross, Lord. And I ask, Lord, that we would walk together for all the days of our lives, Lord, as I am now a child of yours, Father, Lord. As Father, I love you and I praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, I can't wait to get started. I, I'm telling you right now, it's going to be, it's going to be a good one. And um, chapter one, you know, just really gets the ball rolling. And, and so I, I really hope you enjoy it. I hope you enjoy this little tour, if you will. And so we're going to continue to go through. And we're going to see the Lord, and we're going to see His hand, and we're going to hear His word throughout this wonderful book. May God bless you in this time, and keep you and your family. God bless you.